Amen. They need to move us. And maybe you say, I don't like that song particularly. I like another one better. Songs should move us. If we're in love with Jesus, a love song should, should cause us to, to, to stop everything, to pray, to sing, to worship, to forget everything else that's going on and just, and just praise. Amen. Just worship. And, and when that happens, you can, know, you can know you're in love with Jesus. And, and how many know love is something you have to keep stirred up? Amen. You have to continue to, to spark the fire of love. And so I want to talk tonight about falling in love with Jesus again. Amen. Again. It's not good enough to fall in love once. We need to fall in love with Jesus again. Amen. We need to fall in love with Jesus every day. Every day. So let's look at Matthew 24. I, 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 I've, uh, you've obviously seen the news, heard the news, just a lot of craziness going on this week, especially here in the Metroplex. Um, uh, Monday, I kept seeing, uh, I, have, I have a Fox News app, and I, and I get notifications, and I kept getting them over and over again until I saw five on the same page, and I screenshotted it and posted it and said, and, and said this is Matthew 24, 12 which we're going to read right now. This is, this, and it's like, well, that's happened before. But it's, the frequency is crazy right now. And we know that, that uh, this is a sign of, of the end times. This is a sign of the last days, what we're going to read right here, what we're seeing on the news. It says, verse 12, and because lawlessness will abound, another word for lawlessness is iniquity, another word for iniquity is rebellion, so lawlessness, rebellion, iniquity. Another one is sin. Okay, there's different translations that will give you different words there. Whichever one you understand the best. Lawlessness, sin, iniquity, rebellion. It says because of these things happening and lawlessness abounding. Watch what it says the Bible will happen. Jesus says will happen. The love of many will grow cold. The love of many will grow cold. That's, that's a statement Jesus said, amen? Now, Jesus didn't say that because he wanted that to happen. We, we know from the Bible that Jesus says he wants everyone to come to repentance. He wants everyone to be saved. He wants everyone to go to heaven. So this isn't a, this isn't a Jesus thing choosing that, that people would do this. He is prophesying, being God himself and saying, this will be a sign that there's always been lawlessness. There's always been rebellion. There's always been iniquity. But now, he says, because people begin to see it so much, it will cause people to lose their faith. It will cause people to, to, to turn away. It will cause people to, to say, where's God? That's the thing I was thinking about the most. It'll cause people to say, where's God? How many times do you hear people say that when these things happen? Where's God? And, and God always gets the blame for everything. Can you, how, many, how many see that? He always gets the blame for everything and doesn't get much credit for anything. But every time things begin to get bad, people begin to say, where's God? And so what, what he's saying is he's seeing that, that, that it, things will get worse before they get better. We know the plan. We know the end result. We know how this book is going to end. But God is saying here that there, when you begin to see the lawlessness abound. So the word lawlessness, 
as I said, is sin, iniquity, rebellion. But inside of that, it has to do, obviously, with law. That's why it says lawlessness. And we're seeing a forsaking today of law. We're seeing a lack of respect. And, and it's really on both sides. It's not just on the, on the, on the citizens. It's on both sides. There's an abuse of law. There's, there's, that could even go into the abuse of the law, of the Bible. Amen. It's not just police stuff or, or, or things like that. It's, it's, a, it's a moving of iniquity and an abounding of sin that's causing people's love to grow wax cold. The King James Version says wax cold. The love of, and here's the, here's the crazy thing. It says the love of many will grow wax cold. It doesn't say a few. It says the love of many will grow wax cold. And so he's not talking about uh, unbelievers. He's talking about believers. He's talking about people who have put their faith in God and put their faith in Jesus Christ. And they begin to see these things happen. And it begins to cause people to uh, lose faith and lose um, their, their, their love for God. So let's go to Revelation chapter 2. And as you're getting there, I'm going to pray. Father, I ask you to anoint your word tonight. I ask you to move in our hearts and stir us tonight. Stir us to a place, God, of, of understanding, Lord, that we've, we've got to stay in love with you. We've got to remove all distraction from our lives and, 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 and do everything possible, Lord, to make sure that our hearts are softened and not hardened by the things going on in this world. Lord, fall, help us fall in love again with you tonight, Jesus. And Lord, we bind every spirit of darkness, every lie of the devil, every deception of the enemy that, that's working on the hearts of people to cause them to grow cold. Father, give us revelation tonight from your word. Let the words of this book jump off the pages to us tonight, Father, and bring forth change in our hearts and bring forth growth in our hearts in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Revelation chapter 2. It's, uh, we see Jesus' words again. This goes from, from Matthew to, to Revelation. And, and really there's 2,000 years expanse between that day and today. But it's the same words being spoken uh, to the same people, which is the church. And he says in verse uh, 2, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you've tested those who say they are apostles and are not. And have found them liars. And you've persevered and have patience. And have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Now I want, I want you to read that again. I want you to look back at two again. As you begin to read this with me, these are some good things being done. These are some really strong attributes of a believer and, and he is commending, he is, he is recognizing a good work. He's saying, these are good things. He says, I, I see your works. I see your labor. I see your patience. I see that you can't bear those who are evil. I, I, I see that you've tested those who say they're apostles and they're not and, and have found them liars. I've seen that you persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake have not become weary. There's a whole lot of good right there. But, but watch the following verse. Watch the key to this tonight. Watch what is, is so important tonight and why I feel this is so needed tonight in our spirits because he says, nevertheless. In other words, all those things are great, but they don't matter. 
Because, he says, I have this against you. You have left your first love. You have left your first love. And, and this is the place, this is the time, church, this is the moment as believers where we have to fall in love with Jesus every day over and over and over again and make sure that, that we, we are not doing all those things that are good and not truly loving Jesus from the very depths of our heart and the very depths of our souls. It, it, all those things are great, but did you, do you realize that all those things can be done by somebody who's not saved? All those things can be done by somebody who, who is religious. But we understand tonight the importance and the power of what's going to get us to heaven and what saves us tonight is not those things, but it's relationship. It's relationship, amen? And, 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 I, and I said this so many times uh, relating tonight for those that are married. Or, it doesn't have to just be marriage, but marriage is a very good example. And the reason, and, and for anybody that's single or divorced or whatever, sometimes when you hear marriage, maybe it's kind of frustrating because you can't really relate. It's very important. You can't get, dismiss marriage because, because the Bible says that we're the bride. And Christ is the bridegroom. And so we have to use that example. And whether you're married or not, you can understand that the importance of, uh, of that and, and, and the fact that in a marriage or in a relationship, and, and why I say marriage is because it's, it's, it's God's plan, in a marriage you can see how a couple can be together physically in the same house but lose their love for each other. They can get up every day and go to work. They can, they can kiss each other at night. You know, ritually, they can uh, uh, do the, the, the responsibilities in the house. They can go through the motions and, and they can wear the ring, but they can have no love. And, and if you don't work on a marriage and you don't work on, on the things beyond, those are things that should be done and those are things that need to be done. Uh, you need to go to work. You need to wash the dishes. You need to keep the house clean. You need to be there. You need to come home at night. All those things are good. But they're no good if you don't love your spouse. And you don't love them in, in a way where you say, I need to make sure that I'm sparking the love in our relationship. Because when a marriage goes south, it's because it becomes ritualistic and not relationship. And so when a relationship with God goes south, it, it, it's people who are, are really like whitewashed tombs. They've got it all together on the outside. They, they look the look and talk the talk, and it seems like they walk the walk, but they've lost their love for Jesus Christ. Absolutely just love for the Lord. Amen. And, and this is just a challenge tonight to, to fall in love again. And you say, when? Tonight. And then you say, when again? Tomorrow. And then you say, when again? Friday. And when again? Saturday. And when again? Sunday. And then Monday. Every day you have to spark up. You can't say, God, I loved you last week and that's going to last for the rest of the month. We have to remove, listen, remove distractions. We have to remove distractions between us and the Lord in our relationship. He says, this is something I've, I've got against you. Let's read on in verse 5. He says, remember from, from where you have fallen. And he says, repent. 
and do the first work. So he, he, you know, this is kind of the flip side. Someone can say all day long they love you, but then you don't show it. Then it's just words, as 1 Corinthians 13 talks about, clanging symbols. When you want to know, am I right with God? Am I doing what God wants? You know where you're going to be standing? You're going to be standing right in the middle of balance on every area of your life. When you begin to get off to an extreme one way or the other, you're not in, you're not in God's will, but you can be in balance tonight. And so you've got some that's, that'll, 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 that'll maybe truly love. Listen closely. You might truly love your spouse. You might truly love God, but you don't show it. That's why it says actions speak louder than words. You know, I can tell my wife all I want, I love you, but if I show her something different, it doesn't mean anything. Amen? And so we have to be careful with Jesus tonight that we make sure that we're not allowing the world. See, this is what this verse is talking about. Allowing the world. I want you to think about something. I was talking to Pastor Dylan about this today. We're kind of going back and forth on this. I want you to think about when, when a relationship begins to have problems. Now, again, this I'm talking mostly marriage, but it could be uh, family, father, son, father, daughter, whatever, anything. When a relationship begins to have problems, what happens is, and I, and I use this example mostly with marriage, is, is when I've counseled, and thank God the few times I've counseled people, because I still believe the altar fixes things, but when I've counseled couples and, and we've had to sit and talk about something, it, I've always found as I listen to the couples speak, and, and, and I also run into this in premarital counseling, I, I find that as they begin to talk, there is an issue with them. But 90% of the time, the issue that they have with each other has to do with something outside of their relationship. Did you hear that? It's, it, well, this, the, you know, the, the in-law or, 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 or the, the, the brother or the workplace or the situ, this situation or that situation. And they'll begin to talk about these things. And, and rarely, not never, rarely is it directly tied to a problem between them, those two people. It's a problem with other things that are distractions that, that the devil is using to cause the marriage to have problems and the people don't recognize it and they allow all these distractions to come into their lives and they begin to pull themselves apart and it gets worse and worse if they don't recognize the outside distractions. How many are following me? Because what, what, if this isn't true, what, did he, what is he saying in Matthew 24, 12? If we go back to that, you don't have to look at it right now. If he said, in the last days, the love of many will grow cold. That's a very general statement. But he didn't say that. He said, because of lawlessness and the fact that it will abound many's love will grow cold. So, so it, it, what, what's the problem? What, what is it that's causing uh, somebody who loves Jesus and Jesus in the relationship to have a problem? What is the problem? The problem is an outside distraction. And we can begin to see these things happen and begin to see the news all the time and begin to say, my God, what's going on? What's happening? Is this world losing their mind? And, and why and why and questions and do all these things. And we can get caught up in all these different things. And listen, to Jesus is standing there saying, I'm still here. I haven't moved. 
I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. I love you with a love that you can't understand. Don't let this world and all these distractions pull you and I apart. I've told my wife over the years, many, many times, as, as battles have come and struggles have come, and again, recognizing things from the outside, I've always told her, if we have each other, and this isn't the marriage thing, if we have each other, we can defeat anything. We have to protect our, our marriage and we have to protect our, our love for each other. If we don't make sure that our love is protected for each other, anything can destroy us. And so in your relationship with Jesus, you have to protect your relationship with him. It's so easy to lose your blessing or lose your love for Jesus because of seeing somebody else's problem. Seeing somebody else's struggle, seeing somebody else's failure, seeing somebody else's need, and it causes you to think, uh, man, God, what's going on? And you don't know what the circumstance and the situation is with that person. They might be in rebellion. Not saying that's always the case, but they might be in rebellion. They might be making bad choices, and you're sitting there losing your relationship with Jesus over the bad choices somebody else is making. And Jesus again says, hey, what does that have to do with us? What does that have to do with us? We're, we're good. I thought we were good. Because we've got to remember, whenever there's a problem, it's not God. It's never God. How many have come to that realization? It's never God. It's always us. He's perfect. Oh, God, I just feel like, you know, our relationship's kind of struggling. What's, what's going on, God? If you're asking a real question, he'll give you a real answer. Uh, you've changed. You, 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 you've got an attitude. Uh, you, you've, you, you, you're busy with other things. I just want to fellowship with you, and, and you're busy his answer is never going to be, well, you know, I kind of, I'm sorry, I've been failing on this, on my side. Because he doesn't fail. He can't fail. He can't lie. It's not God. And, and when we begin to think it's God is when we see lawlessness around us. When we see works around us that we don't understand. When we see people fall, we see people hurt. And that's the thing we have to be careful of. You have to guard your relationship. Matthew 22 36 says, teacher, what's the greatest commandment in the law? He says that you should love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. And, and that's the greatest. That's the commandment. And then you'll love your neighbors yourself. But you know you can't love your neighbor if you don't love God. I think sometimes we try to get the cart before the horse. We say, God, help me. Help me love them like you love them. He says, let me love you. Let me love you like, like I want you to love them. Let, fall in love with me again. It's not somebody else that's the problem. It's us. And it's not me because I'm perfect. I'm God. It's, it's you. You are busy. You have allowed other things to come in and cause the love that you used to have. So we know there's a love there, and we know it's a real love because he says you have left your first love. He didn't say you never loved me. He says you've left it. That shows that we have the ability to walk away from God. 
We have the ability in our free will to say, God, I'm done. And guess what? As I've said a million times, God is going to love you in your rebellion. He's going to love you wherever you go. But the relationship is estranged. It's not because God has left. You have. I have. The world has. Because of the lawlessness and the iniquity and the sin and the rebellion of many, the love of many will grow wax cold. I want to look real quick uh, at John. If you'll go to the book of John. I really want to hang this message on this. Uh, I haven't been able to get this out of my spirit as I was praying about this particular message and just falling in love with Jesus again. And I just kept thinking about Peter. And I want to talk about Peter a little bit. Some of these verses will, will seem familiar. But I want to go to John 13. And, and I want to uh, uh, show you something that I think is very interesting. John 13. And, and we see, we, we, we know this in the scriptures. We know this is the story. Um, especially getting near where Jesus begins to go and give his life. And it's different. Every gospel covers it. But he says in John 13, Simon Peter, verse 36, said, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterwards. And Peter says to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? And I will lay down my life for your sake. I mean, no, that's a good statement. That is a good statement. I, Lord, I will lay down my life for your sake. Jesus says, watch this. Here's the question. Will you lay down your life for my sake? Isn't that what verse 38 says? Jesus asked that question because he knows that he's saying words, but he knows his heart. And, and he's, he's pricking him. And he says, most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. Now we know the story. That, that, that's the story. And, and it's interesting because Peter is, is, is somebody we have to learn from. He's an example of how you can ha say the words. This is something I don't, I don't want to be this way. And I know you don't want to be this way. Not just say the words, but believe the words live the words, act out the words, obey the words, fulfill the words. That's what God's asking us. He's not asking us just to give an answer. He, he, he's looking for action. And so what he's seeing here in Peter's heart, and this is where we as believers need to be open before God and say, God, show me where I am lacking. Show me. We should be reading that revelation at chapter 2 and saying, that's me. That's me, God. I, I'm not, I am not as in love with you today as I should be. I'm not as in love with you today as I was the day I got saved. We all know how easy it is when you get saved to be on fire for God and excited about God. And you want to go do everything for God. And you want to go to the mission field. And you want to give everything you have away. And you want to witness to everybody you have. There's a love there that is so amazing. And it's just like the honeymoon of a marriage. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. But once the honeymoon's over, work comes in. Now, not work in the aspect of works. 
work, if you're taking notes, in the aspect of sacrifice. Okay, sacrifice. I want you to write that down if you're taking notes. Sacrifice. Why do I say that? Because there are several words in in the New Testament of love. Two that are most common. One is called, that you've probably heard, it's called agape love. The other one is called phileo. Those are Greek words. So those two words are the most commonly used when you're reading the scriptures and you're seeing the word love. And, and, and what we have to understand is, is Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says that the word of God is like is sharper than a two-edged sword and it pierces and divides bone and marrow, soul and spirit, and it, and it tests the thoughts and the, and the intentions and weighs the intentions of our hearts. So we've got to understand that with God, we can tell him we love him and not really love him. Y'all with me? We can say the words, but not really mean it. And we can actually even think we mean it, but not mean it. And, and that's, that's the difference here. Is so Jesus says, Peter says, he, 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 he speaks up as he always did and says, Jesus, I love you. And I will die for you. And there's nothing wrong with him making that statement. Except the fact that inside of his heart, he didn't mean it. How do we know that? Because Jesus said it. Okay? So that's the thing we have to deal with. We have to say, Lord, help me to say things to you that are actually coming from here and not here. That's that's the difference. That's what Jesus began to see. He began to see that the works you're doing and the zeal you have and the jealousy you have for the things of God and the discernment you have, all these things are great. He says, but they don't mean anything to me because you've lost your love for me. Now you're doing them, listen, now you're doing them out of rut and routine, not out of genuine love. And and, and Jesus and God would prefer the other. He would prefer that we would lack sometimes in the area of works, but that our love would be real and genuine. Amen. And so he says this thing to him, seeing his heart and his motives and says, you say that, but it's not the case. You're going to deny me three times. Now, that's not predestination. That's not God condemning Peter to deny him. That's God in his foreknowledge of being God, knowing Peter's going to deny him, knowing his true heart. Now, I want you to go to John chapter uh, 20, uh, John chapter 18, sorry. John chapter 18. We're going to stay in John here. John 18. Let me run through this real quick. Give me an amen when you get there. Verse 15, and Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Now that disciple was known to the high priest and went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest, and Peter stood at the door outside. Then the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to her, who kept the door and brought Peter in. And then the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, You are are not also one of the man's disciples, are you? And he said, I am not. 
Now the servants and officers who had made a fire of coal stood there, for it was cold, and they warmed themselves, and Peter stood with them and warmed himself. Now go down to verse 25. Now Simon Peter stood and warmed himself, and therefore they said to him, You are not also one of his disciples, are you? And he denied it and said, I am not. And one of the servants of the high priest, a relative of him whose ear Peter cut off, said, Did I not see you in the garden with him? And Peter then denied again. And what happened? A rooster crowed. So, so we, see, we see Jesus saying he loves the Lord, but not following through. Okay? Hopefully, hopefully you'll begin to see where I'm going with this. He says he loves Jesus, but he doesn't follow through. He could have followed through. He could have been afraid. He could have been scared to, uh, scared to death. He could have fumbled over his words. But if he really loved Jesus the way he said he did, that when they said, you're one of them, he would have said, yes, I am. Yes, I am. But listen, what happened? Same thing that happens to us today. Peter began to see the commotion. Peter began to see the ruckus. Peter began to see the, the, the violence. Peter began to see, wow, this is not, a, this is not some, just some joke he was telling. This is really happening. And if I say I'm with them, I'm dead. I'm going to die. The rubber's meeting the road here. This is a little scary. And the commotion of what was going on around caused him to fail, caused him to fall. And he went and fulfilled not what Jesus prophesied over him that he would do, but what Jesus knew he would do. Now go to John 21. Verse 15. Sorry, yes, verse 15. John 21. Now this is interesting. The restoration of Peter. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus has already risen from the dead. He's already appearing to people. He's already defeated death. He's now the risen Savior. He's eating breakfast and Jesus says to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord. Now, here, here's, here's an interesting thing. I want you all looking at your Bibles. What does Peter say here? This is very interesting. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. See, he recognized that Jesus knew him now. Now he recognizes that he can say one thing, but he can't do another. Now he understands you said, I said I was going to go to the death with you, and you said, no, you're not. And you said, I'm going to deny you three times, and that's what I did. And it's not because you were predestined me to fail. It's because you knew my heart better than I did. When you are, let me give you a key and a nugget. The way you stay in love with Jesus is you stay realizing he's God and you're not. He's a high above and we're not. He's Lord and we're not. He has everything in control and we don't. Pride comes in and begins to cause us. The Bible says rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. It is, is pride that comes in and says, I can do this by myself, God. And guess what? God will say, go ahead. I'll let you. I don't want you to, 
but I'll let you because I've given you a free will to make the decisions you want to make. And listen, I love you with a love that you can't even comprehend, but I'm not going to make you love me. How many have realized you can't make anybody love you? Can't. You can, you can do good, you can love, you can pour out, you can give, but you cannot make that person love you back, even if you do good things. You can't. And now God could, if he wanted to, he's God. He could make us love him. But what fun would that be for God? I, I, if, I had, if I could have the power, I want you to listen close to this. If I could have the power in my ability to make my daughters love me or give them the option to love me on their own, I would never choose the first one. Never. Now, some people might say, well, if you had some messed up kids, you would. No, I wouldn't. That's easy to say. No, no I wouldn't. Just like God wouldn't. Because free will is the greatest gift we've ever been given in our lives. The gift to choose to love, not to be made to love. Jesus never said in that book of Revelation there, he never said that, uh, uh, you know, you, you, I'm causing you to do this. He says, I, I'm glad what you're doing all these things, but you've lost your first love. You've left what really matters, and you've gone away from me. The interesting thing here is, let's go on real quick. He says, he says you know that I love you, and he says, now he says, feed my lambs. Okay, that's what Jesus says to Peter, feed my lambs. He goes on again, second time, to, to him, second, a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He says it again, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He says, tend my sheep. And then he says to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved. Now we know now, because we have the story written, we know now what he was doing. In restoration, he had denied him three times, and he caused him to confess him three times, to destroy the, 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 the fact that he had denied him three times. Peter wasn't recognizing that at the moment. He was just frustrated that he kept asking him, but God was restoring him through that, through confession. He denied him three times. He, he asked him three times, do you love me? But the interesting thing is, is the last time he says, do you love me? And he says, Lord... You know all things. You know that I love you. Now, the interesting thing is, is in the Greek, I told you, agape means sacrificial love. And phileo means brotherly, feeling love, um, family, um, friends. That's what the phileo love is. And so Jesus says, catch this, Jesus says the first time to him in the Greek, do you agape me? And Peter says, I phileo you. Y'all with me? Jesus says, do you agape me? Peter says, I phileo you. Second time, Jesus says, do you agape me? Peter answers, I phileo you. Third time, Jesus says, do you phileo me? Peter says, I phileo you. Now, some of you are wondering, where's the agape? Here's the thing that we have to understand. The standard that God sets for us is a standard we can never reach because he's holy. Agape means sacrificial love. We cannot comprehend what that is. 
We can try, and God wants us to try. We, we can sometimes get to a place where, where our heart is so right that we might be on the brink of having that agape love. Sacrificial. What it means is agape love means sacrificial, not expecting anything in return. That's the agape that was mentioned in John 3.16. That's the agape love, the sacrificial love that was mentioned when Jesus talked to his father. But we, what we have to understand is, is the relationship part is, Peter realized, I cannot love you like you love me. That's why he couldn't answer him with agape. And it's in the Greek. I can't love you like you love me. And Jesus, uh, uh, let him answer back with the friendship, family, brotherly love. But he said, basically, watch what happens after this. He says, verse 18, most assuredly I say to you, Oh, first of all, he says, feed my sheep again. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when, you were old, when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. He says, basically, this uh, phileo love is going to cost you agape love. If you want to follow me, you have to give me the effort of agape love. Sacrifice. Sacrificial. We live in a world today that preaches a love that is cheap. It doesn't cost us anything. And God is expecting us to, to love him back in a way that's sacrificial. In a, in a way that says, God, I'm going to deny myself. I'm going to put out all the distractions out of the way. I'm going to remove uh, the things that are in between us and not allow things to come in. I, I, I want to give you an example tonight. I'm closing, and we're going to go to John 15 to end. Same, same book. I want to give you an example, just a generic example of, of today. We, we live in a social media day. We are bombarded by social media. It's not to take away from the fact that there are things that we can do and use with social media that are beneficial. It's not to take that away. Because that's obvious. But the problem is, is the distraction. The problem is, is we get so caught up in, in the things of this world and we have so many things attacking us that it's so easy to lose that first love. It's so easy to be swayed and pulled away. And social media does a great job of that, church. Social media, it, it, you, you know, you think about Facebook and Instagram and I don't, Twitter and all the, I don't even know all the names, Snapchat and all these things. The Bible says that, that in the last days we would be lovers of ourselves. Amen? Let, let me just be straightforward for a second here. We got to be careful that we don't take 25 selfies every day. That's, that's being a lover of yourself. I'm not saying you can't ever take a selfie, can't take pictures of your family. That's not what I'm saying. Don't misinterpret me. We are so robotized with social media that it's the first, middle, last, first, middle, last again, first, middle, last again, and then it's, and then it's 9 o'clock in the morning. That's what we do. First, first thing in the morning, middle of the morning, last of the morning, first at noon, middle of noon, last at noon, first at night, middle of night, Last of the night, we're on there so much that we're distracted. And I'm not expecting a whole lot of amens there. It's okay. But it's the truth. 
It pulls away from our relationship. And, and things are planted there. Me and Pastor Dylan will talk about that today. Things are planted there many times that are a trip up for your life. They're not things, you can be on there honestly, you can be on there just say, I'm going to pass a little time, and, and all the devil will stick something in there. And I thought today about, you know, Facebook calls it a news feed. So it's called a news feed. Well, what's feeding you? What's feeding our lives? Where is, you know, I, 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 hey, I posted a verse today. Hey, that's good. I know a lot of people post a lot of good things. But how much time is it consuming of us where we're reading the news feed? And how much is our flesh being pulled in to see things there that are drawing us and calling on us and taking our time away from the Lord? And, 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 and causing distraction and, and just getting us to a place where we're so pulled in that, that we lose focus on what's really important. Now, if you, don't think that's a, if you don't think that's true, you pay attention the next time you go to eat with your family. And you see how, how, how often you have to catch yourself, if, even if you're trying to be conscious of it, to make sure that you are sitting at a, in a table in a conversation with somebody and you're not looking at your phone. If you don't think it's a distraction. I mean, you have to, we have to literally make the decision, hey, we're going to sit down at the table and we're not going to pull our phones out. We do that. We're not going to pull our phones out. We're not going to be distracted by these things. If that's not the case, I mean, what are we doing when we're by ourselves and no one's around? If, if we can't even put it down when we're at the table together. You go out next time to the store, to the restaurant, and you watch other tables. And you look at it. I mean, it's, it's a distraction. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to, I'm not just sitting here beating up on these things and telling you to get off them. Or, I'm just telling you, these are things that cause us to lose our love for the Lord because we're so busy doing other things. And there might not be things that, that are even bad, but they're taking our time. Amen. That could be spent with the Lord. Some of us, a lot of us, maybe all of us need to go on a social media fast. And, and when I say that, you need to ask, answer this question for yourself because we're talking about falling in love with Jesus again. If, if my marriage begins to struggle, if Carla and I's relationship begins to struggle, you know what we have to do? We have to go on a date. We have to go get alone. We have to go talk. We have to go spend time together because if we don't do that, our relationship will be in trouble. That's any marriage couple. Oh, it got quiet right there. If that's the case in our marriage, how is it with God? We need to shut everything off. We need to put some things down. We need to put the fork down. We need to put the Facebook down. We need to put things down and say, God, I'm going to spend some quality time with you, and I'm going to fall in love with you again. Amen. Fall in love with you again. Now, I don't stand up here saying that I don't get distracted, because I do too. But you have to make a decision. I'm putting the thing down. I'm putting it down. I'm not going to look at it. I'm not going to spend time on it. I'm not going to be pulled away by this, because this is time I could be spending with the Lord. Oh, that sounds so religious. No, it sounds relational. I mean, if you go on the date with your spouse or you go spend some time as father, daughter, father, son, whatever, and, and you say, hey, we're going to go spend some time together, and the whole time you're together, you're looking at each other's phones, 
How are you spending time together? Amen. So this isn't, again, it, I promise you when I preach these messages, they're not condemnation messages. They're challenges that we need to fall in love again with Jesus. And you need to ask yourself, as the musicians come, you need to ask yourself this question. Can I sit that thing down? Give me a whistle. I can't whistle very good. Can I sit that thing down? Can I put my phone down for 10 minutes? Can I get off social media for a day? Would I make it? Well, I might miss something. You might gain something with the Lord. Speak to me, Lord. I want to come back to that first love. You know, when, when a married, married couple meets, there's something that attracts them, especially if it's in God. And it's not physical. There's an attraction there. You're drawn to each other. There's, there's something you like about each other. And as you go on in marriage, you've got to go back to that again. You say, man, what, why did I fall in love with you? What were the qualities? What were the attributes that caused me to say, I'm going to spend the rest of my life with you? And we need to go back sometimes and we need to say, Jesus, what were the qualities? What were the attributes? What were the things that you showed me that caused me to say, I'm going to stop living for the world and I'm going to live for you now? I want to go back to that. Because John 15 says this. This is very important. Y'all still here? John 15 says this. Verse 9. Please look at this. Very powerful chapter about Jesus being the true vine. God being the, the farmer, basically, the vine dresser. And he says down in verse 9, without you know eliminating those important ones, 1 through 8, but he says in 9, as the Father loved me, as the Father agaped me, as the Father sacrificed loved me, I also have loved you. Now watch what he says. Abide in my love. Ten. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. So Jesus is not asking something from us that He has not done for His Father. That's what I love about Jesus. He never asks us to do something He's not done for us. And then He says in verse 11, watch this, These things I've spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. God wants to have an awesome, amazing relationship with us. And again, we have found out tonight it is not His problem when things are not going well. Do y'all understand that? It's kind of hard, really, because like when you go back to marriage again, again to like counseling or whatever, I always tell the spouses, and I always tell myself this, I, it's not me trying to fix my wife, it's me fixing myself. That's the best marriage counsel you can get. You don't try to fix your spouse because you'll never do it. You fix you. And you hope and pray that they fix them because you can't fix them. 
But it's different with God because we can't fix God either. Neither does he need fixing. See, in the marriage, the other person needs fixing. We all, both of us need to be fixed and we need to fix ourselves. But in this relationship, it's never God who needs fixing. So if we're not fixing ourselves, what are we doing? Think about it. If the relationship's lacking tonight, if, oh, I just don't feel God's presence like I used to. Well, it's not God. Well, I just don't, I just don't hear his voice like I used to. Well, God hasn't gone anywhere. Well, I just don't feel the love that I used to feel. Well, it's not God's fault. How many are following me here? It's me. It's me that's God. But it, what he said here in verse 10, he says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. So you know what he was really saying to Peter when he said, feed my sheep? Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I do. So he says, here's what feed my sheep means. Then do it. Then obey. Then do what you say. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I do. Then obey. Then feed my sheep. Then put your money where your mouth is. How many are with me? That's what John 10 says. If you love me you'll, and you want to abide in me, you'll what? Obey my commandments. When I'm in rebellion, when I'm in uh, 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 disobedience, when I'm in sin, I am disobeying him and I am separated from his love, not because he doesn't love me, but because I can't abide in him in that place. It's what he says right here. If you keep my commandments, I will abide in you. So it's a, it's, it's a one-way street because he's not moving. How many are getting this? If the love is lacking, it's my fault. And God, I want to fall in love with you again. But but it's not God that's got to remove distractions, it's me. It's not God that has to make time in his schedule for me. It's me that has to make time in my schedule for God. It's, it's always going to come back to me. And, and, and that's what he's saying. He, he's, he's, sitting, he's sitting there just like, okay, I'm going to wait till you stop running around. I want to talk to you. I want to spend some time with you. Oh, yeah, good job. Yep, good church. Yep, good. Yep, Bridge Bible, good, good, good. Yep, works. Okay, good. Yep, uh-huh. Oh, boy, I sure would love for you to come talk to me. Running around like crazy, looking like we got it all together. He's like, please stop. Stop doing those things that look good. I'm glad you do those things, but come talk to me. Because I'm right here. Come talk to me. Get those distractions. Sometimes distractions can be doing the right thing if our heart's not right. If our heart's not right. As the Father loved me, I've also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Father, tonight we want to fall in love with you again. I do. Can't speak for anybody else. I want to fall in love with you. And, do, and God, I don't want to wait a week or a month or a year to renew that vow. Lord, I want to fall in love with you every morning. Lord, I want to fall in love with you again every night. Lord, I want to, I want to renew my vows every day. I want to remove distractions. 
doesn't mean I move up into the mountains, into a cave, and never see a human being again. It means that I don't allow things to come in between you and me and our relationship. That I don't allow the distractions of this world, the lawlessness, the violence, the problems, the things to cause me to think you are not who you say you are. Because you don't fail. You don't lie. How many tonight all over this place? Say, I don't know Jesus Christ as my Lord, my Savior, my Master, my everything. I want to give Jesus my heart. I want to give Jesus my life. I want to give Jesus Lordship tonight. If that's you, just slip your hand up and put it back down. Jesus wants to come in and be Lord of your life tonight. God sees. He sees beyond our, our actions to our actual heart. He'll take that heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. Make it moldable tonight. As we stand tonight, right before we open the altars to any and everyone who wants to find a place to pray, please understand this is just a challenge. No condemnation, no, no anything else than, hey, let's make sure we're not the verse 12. Let's make sure that lawlessness, because we can't control the lawlessness. That's going to happen, and it is happening. We, we, we can't stop that. We can control the other part, that our love will not grow wax cold. That in spite of anything that's going on, it's not going to affect my relationship with Jesus. I'm not going to question, do you still love me, God? Even though all this craziness is going on, I know you do because your word says you do. Amen. That's the relationship God wants us to have. Peter could have, Peter could have, you know, when you go back to that thing where he says, you're going to disown me three times. Do you realize that if his heart would have been right, just like Judas, if his heart would have been right, he wouldn't have had to go deny him three times? That would have never been written. If he'd have asked him that and, and Peter would have said, you know what, God, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a little bit scared about dying for you but I sure do love you. Jesus might not have had to say, hey, you're going to deny me three times. But because he put up that front, oh yeah, I'm going to go die for you. Jesus says, no, you're not. You really mean that? Well, I see beyond your words and I see your heart. It's not right. And it can be right. And that's the awesome thing about serving God is today at this moment, I can get my heart right with God. Today at this moment, I can fix any problem. It, 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 you don't have to go and do 25 things. Lord, what do you say? Repent. Repent of what? Not loving him enough. Amen? Not agapeing him enough. We do good on the phileo part. We do good on the brotherly, friendly, family part. We do good on the feelings part. I feel like I love you, God. Well, how do you do when you don't feel like you love him? That's where, we, that's where you want to major. So as we sing this song tonight, the altars are open. Let's just take a couple minutes tonight and let's fall in love with Jesus again. Amen. As we sing this song. More I seek you, what a truth in these words. The more I seek you, the more I find you.
So